I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays of Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Hello, Feeney fans. Welcome to the Feeney Podcast. This is Josh, one of your hosts. We are back, and with me, as always, is Jacqueline. What's going on? Hello, Feeney fans. Happy Feeney Friday. Feeney Friday, indeed. Beautiful Feeney Friday, hopefully. Even if you're not listening on a Friday and it's just like a Tuesday or Wednesday, you can just be in Feeney Friday mode. It's a great place to be. Yes, always be in that Feeney Friday state of mind, friends. Feeney's still going strong. I think he just celebrated a birthday recently. It was like 90 or 95, something incredible, right? I can't remember. We I posted on Instagram. I want to say 95. 95 years old. Congratulations, Will Daniels. Still turning out the cameos, too. Still making cameos for anyone who asks. So if you're interested, get on it. Cameo, get Mr. Feeney to send you or someone you love a message. Yeah, he does a really good job with them, too. Yeah, he really does. So in some other news, we've got a couple of things to cover before we dive into uh, the next episode of Boy Meets World in Season 3. For me, I started listening to the I Hear Voices podcast, which is co-hosted by Will Friedle and Christy Carlson Romano, who work together on Kim Possible doing voiceover work. Both of them have had pretty prolific voiceover acting careers, and so they have on folks who also are voice actors, and they kind of talk about the industry and things like that. And so far, it's not bad. They've had some good guests. It's been interesting. They ask kind of good, funny questions. So, so far, it's not been too bad. That's sort of a lukewarm review. You think maybe they haven't hit their stride yet? I think they're still figuring it out. They do a cool thing where they had a bunch of kids and adults like draw superheroes or pictures of characters or cartoons. And then the voice actor they have on actually like comes up and creates a voice for those characters. Oh, that's cool. That's a, it's like a clever little bit. I think they are still finding their stride, but in one of the episodes, they dive into Eric, the character on boy meets world a little bit. And will is talking about two theories that he's heard about why Eric's character keeps getting dumber and dumber. Is it lead poisoning? It is not. One (laughs) theory is that in an episode that I don't think we've gotten to yet, he's going to get into a car accident and he's going to hit his head. And some folks believe that he's got like a traumatic brain injury that kind of slowly keeps making him dumber and dumber, which would work for the rest of this series, but it doesn't explain what's happening right now, which is already a spiral into him being dumb and dumber. Yeah. The second theory, which I really liked, was that this whole show is from Corey's perspective. So we're seeing all of these characters through the lens of Corey's eyes, 
And when he's younger, he sees Eric as this like cool older brother who like has everything and gets girls. And then slowly as Corey gets older and starts to realize that Eric's more of a doofus, then it starts to kind of go downhill from there. That is a very interesting theory. Interesting. I'm trying to think of how that might like play into his perception of other characters on the show. Um, but Mr. Feeney is pretty much always wise and cool. And Sean is pretty much always like someone he looks up to. And Mr. Turner's ties do not get any better. Yeah, so. he gets cut out anyway. <laughs> but that is a very interesting theory. Yeah, no one else really goes through the transformation that Eric does. But it's potentially an answer to that to that question. Obviously, I think it's not really as nuanced or thought out as that. I think really it's just like the writers thought it was funny to make him say dumb things and they made him say dumb things. Yeah, they realized that he was a funny guy. And so they made him do increasingly ridiculous bits and just be funnier and funnier. Yeah, but either way, an interesting story from the podcast. I have not been back to it in a couple of weeks, waiting for a few episodes to amass, and then I'll I'll knock those out. But that's what I got going on. What's uh, going on in Feeny Land for you? Well, I have to say, I'm going to wait for them to have Jason Marsden on the podcast, and then I will listen to that yeah. episode because he is a prolific voice actor, and we are a big fan of him. So I'm going to. He's hold been out mentioned in like every episode so far. Really? Anyway. I mean, <laughs> they're like funny. they're buddies still, and they yeah, like go to the course. same conferences. So he, yeah, he's basically been mentioned in every episode so far. Well, for me in Feenyland, I, as promised, finally watched the Lifetime original movie, The Girl Ooh. in the Shed. The Abby Hernandez story. It was a chilling tale of a 14-year-old girl who is kidnapped by this like kind of conspiracy theory loser guy who like is a amateur counterfeiter and weed dealer and keeps her locked in a shed. And of course, in the real story, he sexually assaults her repeatedly mm. in the lifetime movie they did not show any of that more traumatic content but the kind of the like purpose of the story is that she the girl who's kidnapped uses her smarts to sort of trick him into befriending her so that ultimately he lets her go he just lets her go no he there's he gets spooked that the cops are on to him, and instead of killing her to hide the evidence, he lets her go, and then he ends up going to jail. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> For, no forever. <laughs> forever. So uh, Ben Savage played the kidnapper. Yeah. How was his and performance? It was so weird because he played it like... <laughs> I don't know. He would have these like goofy moments where I was like, okay, that's like Ben Savage where he'd be like, I I bought you this this present and he would like try to be playful with her and then he would like turn on her and be really aggressive and yell at her. So, I mean, it was a good performance, but it was a little it was a little weird to see him in that role. Yeah. And Arthur made me promise to use the line from child star to child abductor or something like that. Mm -hmm. Not a must watch. You know what? I would watch it. I would 
it was a great way to kill a couple hours with some with some TV, and the girl does uh, triumphantly get away at the end. So it's it wasn't too traumatic. So I would yeah, yeah I would watch it if you're into that kind of thing. And it is a true story. So uh, if you like true crime, I think it paints a a pretty good picture of like what her parents were going through at home when she went missing and this and that. So it was good. All right. Fair enough. Good job, Ben Savage, keeping that career alive. You know what? Keep it coming. Let's uh I'm sure there's some more some more made for TV movies in his future. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's where he's gonna live for the next little while until another reboot of Somebody Meets World comes <laughs> along on Disney Channel in the next ten if years. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. That is a great career. Those people have avid fans. People love their movies. You get your steady paycheck. You get some respect. I think it's an excellent career. No, it is. It really is. Stemming from the next episode that we've got of Boy Meets World, which is a pretty classic, seminal Boy Meets World episode we've got here smack dab in the middle of season three. Yes, such a formative episode of Boy Meets World. Uh, This is like a Sean foundational episode for him and for him and Corey's relationship as well. So it is a bit of a heavier episode, although, of course, as always, there's some good gags in there, a couple of particular moments that really made me laugh out loud. So let's dive in. All right, let's do it. Recap Queen, hit us. Season three, episode 17, entitled The Pink Flamingo Kid, aired February 16th, 1996, directed by Jeff McCracken. Google synopsis, Corey shoots a video of the eccentric Hunter family for Sean's dad. My synopsis, when Corey and Sean head down to the old trailer park, Corey thinks he has witnessed a crime that is going to win him a journalism award. Sean tries to convince him to drop the idea, and the two end up butting heads over how to handle the situation. Eric cleans out the attic. Yeah, he sure does. We'll get to Eric a little bit later. He and Feeney are going to have some moments that only take up a few scenes, but really the heart of this episode is Sean going back to his roots and deciding whether that is where he belongs or whether this kind of new world with Corey and Turner and all of these other folks looking out for him is really where he belongs. And we're not going to get a real answer to that, but We are going to get some strong character development from Sean as we go through this story. No doubt. So as you mentioned, Corey is deep in this journalism class. He's got this camera. He's carrying it around. And uh, he goes over to Turner's house. And Sean's there. And he's talking to his dad. So we we know that Sean's dad is alive. And he kind of tells Sean a lie. He's like hanging out with the president and all this stuff. So he's still like on his little path of lies god knows where he's really is or what he's really doing but chet hunter is alive and well yeah when the episode opens Corey has this humongous camcorder and i'm like oh my god not a not another one of these episodes right because it's like the first person Corey looking through the camera and i'm like we've done this in two other episodes i think we already remember the video that Corey made about sex and then there was the like janitor, janitor bud, bud time yeah. card theft yeah. episode. And now this, I was like, I cannot handle another like camera journalism episode. But alas, thankfully not too much first person shooting through the camera. Yeah. 
But this is the first that we've really heard from Chet or Sean's parents in a while. Mm -hmm. He's been living with Mr. Turner for almost a full year at this point because he started living with him at the end of the school year in season two and lived with him through the whole summer and then back to school. And now it's like spring of the next year and he's still living there. So we've barely even talked about uh, Sean's parents. Yeah, initially Chet was going off to look for his wife. She ran away, she took the house, and he was going to go find her, bring her back, and reunite the family. And he's either not very good at tracking her, or she really doesn't want to be found, or he's taken this as an opportunity to ditch his responsibilities and kind of go live life the way he wants for a little while. Tough to really say which way that all falls. Um, it's definitely the latter in my Mm -hmm, opinion, mm -hmm. (laughs) right? His dad, you know, like you said, he claims to be calling from Air Force One. Sean is like eating this whole thing up like, oh, my dad is so awesome. He's doing all these cool things. Turner is clearly like knows that Chet is just full of BS. But Turner sees Corey with his camera and he's like, I've got an idea, guys. Why don't you make a happy birthday video for Chet? And I guess mail it to him on Air Force One? Like how how they're going to get this video to Chet? I have no idea. But this They'll is the idea. just post it on YouTube and <laughs> right. send him the link via email. Do you know what's so funny? I was on Instagram this morning and I saw this meme that was like, I told my kids I was going to tape something. And they were like, what does that mean? Because I guess the term tape is like obsolete now because you don't use a you tape. Don't use tape. Yeah. And the kids were like, what does that mean? And she was like, and then I turned into a pile of dust. <laughs> 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 but we're going to be talking about taping things a lot in this episode as we get to see plenty of VHS tapes pop out of that gargantuan yes. camcorder. Yeah. So. They're going to make Chet a birthday video. They're going to go down to the trailer park, film the whole Hunter family and clan and and get some people wishing him a happy birthday. So it's a really nice idea. And this is going to kind of be one idea that's that's put in Corey's head. The other idea that's really quickly put in Corey's head is that there is a journalism contest, which you mentioned in the summary, that is happening. And... Eli, as the media teacher, thinks that Corey has some potential. He has done multiple video projects, as you mentioned, and says that he should enter this news competition down at the station. And and Corey kind of likes that idea. He gets a little excited that he could potentially be good at something. And Eli, in the scene here, is going to surpass Turner for maybe the Mm -hmm. worst tie that has ever been seen on Boy Meets World. In addition to being horrible... It also goes down to almost his knees. I have the exact same note. I I couldn't even believe he's wearing some sort of like tweed oversized zoot suit. I don't know what he thinks he's wearing right now. And he's going to wear an, another really bad suit later. But he's in this terrible suit and the tie is so long. So I mean, long. it's like it is like way past his belt. <laughs> I don't know what is going and anyway he's like yeah Corey, you're so good with that camera you should enter the journalism contest and i'm like between this and the uh, eric's weatherman gig i'm like man they are just using eli i don't even know why they brought someone in the writer's room was like i've got all these media focused (laughs) plot ideas we need to bring on a journalism teacher so pretty weird 
Corey tells Eli, no, thank you. I, you know, because the contest is due in two days. So yeah. Corey's like, does not have time to do this project with Sean and go out and find a story for the journalism contest. The premise is you have to go out and find a new story, report it, and then whoever wins their story will actually be shown on the news and it could open doors and blah, blah, blah. But Corey is like, I already told Sean that we would do this thing. So no, thank you. So now the two are going to head down to the trailer park. We're kind of forgetting about the journalism contest for now. And uh, we get to see some of uh, Sean's relatives, including Uncle Mike, who we met last season when he fixed up Turner's motorcycle. Good old Uncle Mike. Great character. Just as surly and as gruff as ever coming out. We see Sean on camera with his grandma and her lawyer because she doesn't want to get into too much legal trouble. The whole underlining tone here is that like there's some shady stuff that happens down at the trailer park. The Hunter family is very much involved in that shady stuff. And no one is quite too keen on being put on video. Right. We get various gags here. They do a whole bit where the whole family is standing in the shadows like they're like a anonymous witness on one of those TV shows where they like shroud you in black. So the idea is that these people are all criminals, but you know, they get the shot, they get uh, everybody saying happy birthday to Chet. And now Sean and Corey are hanging out in the trailer park and they are confronted by a group of trailer park ruffians led by Eddie. Yeah. Eddie and his band of thugs are going to confront Corey and Sean They've got a couple of bigger guys in the back, a little 11-year-old in the front who's the uh, intimidation muscle <laughs> who kind of tries to scare Corey. And and Eddie kind of says, hey, man, like, how come you didn't put us in the video? I wanted to be in the video. And, and Sean kind of blows him off and is like, no, man, like, this doesn't concern you. Like, get out of my way. So you're not quite sure what's happening here, but you are very easily led to believe that Eddie is an unsavory character. Yeah, it's basically just that Eddie's the trailer park bully and he just comes to give him a hard time for no reason. And then he basically kicks them out of the trailer park and they don't want any trouble. So they just take a hike and he gives Sean a hard time about, oh, you live in the suburbs now. You think you're too good for us. So that sh- that's kind of rubbing Sean the wrong way, but he isn't about to start a fight. So they leave and they go back to watch their their f- masterpiece that they've created for Chet. And Corey notices Eddie in the background of a shot holding a computer. And Sean and Corey immediately conclude that the computer is stolen. And this is where the light bulb goes off. And Corey thinks that he has just secured a win in the journalism contest. Yeah, this this idea that Eli put into his head pops back up. And he's like, man, I this you've got your birthday video and I've got my news story. If I get these guys, like I'm sure to have a great career in journalism because like, of course, airing a video when you're a 12 or 13 year old on the news just fast tracks. You You don't have to go to school or anything. You just fast tracks you right to being a news reporter. So you go to Walter Cronkite University. Exactly. Ultimately, this is going to lead to one of the biggest fights we've seen Corey and Sean ever have. Corey is very excited about the potential here. Sean's like, listen, man, like, just drop it. This isn't your new story. Let it go. Corey's like, no, this is this is my chance. Like, why are you doing this? And Sean's like, just drop it, man. Like, 
no, this isn't yours. This is my video. And he takes it and he ultimately just rips the tape apart and he destroys it. Yeah, I'm going to use one of my favorite season one uh, insults here and say that Corey's being quite obtuse here. Uh, Sean first gently tries to tell him to drop it and Corey is not taking the hint. Sean's like, you know, we went down there to like do this thing for my dad, not to get you a journalism award. Can we just drop it? And then he's like, come on, Corey, this is my family we're talking about. And Corey is just like a dog with a bone, not letting it go. And, you know, I think Sean was like kind of in the right to do what he did. He he pulls all the ribbon out of the tape and Corey is pissed. But the next day at school, Sean has clearly moved on. Like he yeah. doesn't he does not think that this is a fight. He thinks that this was like a little argument. It's over. He's clearly moved on. He's sort of like making jokes with Corey. But Corey's mad. He's still on this and he's demanding to know why Sean ripped up his tape. Yeah, I could have won an award. This could have been my big break. And Sean's like, listen, I did you a favor. You don't want to get involved with all of this going on. So he's like, he's being a little coy about like his reasoning. But ultimately, if your friend says like, I've got a good reason not to do something, Corey should be listening here. Right. And this is going to break into one of the most classic Boy Meets World scenes that come to mind, at least for me, followed by a pretty funny and classic Boy Meets World line here as well. Yeah, Corey doubles down and accuses Sean of being jealous of his journalism talent. When in doubt, call someone <laughs> accuse, jealous. Accuse, accuse. <laughs> <laughs> because it takes such talent to accidentally film a guy who just happened to walk into your shot holding a computer that you have absolutely no evidence is actually stolen. And you like, God, Corey, you're so talented. So then they actually start physically fighting. Corey starts the fight. He kind of pushes Sean. Well, first he like grabs him and gets in his face and then he pushes him. And then they actually start wrestling and Turner and Eli come over and pull them off each other. Get back to class now. Hunter Matthews? Did you guys know you were fighting each other? Yeah, they are shocked to find Corey and Sean here. And this is like one of the only physical altercations these two will get in. They This is a legit fight that, that broke out in the middle of the hallway here. And uh, so they break it up. And of course, Feeney's right around the corner, right on cue. He's going to walk in and just immediately give the boys detention, a.k.a. hooked on Feeney. Yeah, Feeney is like nowhere to be found. And then he just saunters in and is like, yeah. detention, detention. I'm not sure if we've already discussed this, but why on earth is the principal of the school supervising detention? It makes no sense. But there they are in detention. And as they leave, Corey says he's going back down to the trailer park to get his story. He doesn't care what Sean says. Sean clearly still not mad at Corey. Yeah. He's trying to warn him, like, be Corey, like, leave it alone. You're getting in over your head. These guys are dangerous. And Corey just blows him off. He's stubborn. He says he's going. And Sean's pissed. Yeah, and frustrated. Super yeah. pissed and frustrated. And uh, and Feeney is going to kind of express some of those same feelings. You know, he sees Sean in the hallway banging a locker. He's like, does that help? Like, 
why'd you do that? And he's like, I'm frustrated. And then Feeney does it too. Kind of hurts his hand as he <laughs> Feeney does an open, an open hand slap on the locker. Yeah. Like Sean punches it and he comes over and he's like, slap. <laughs> but this yeah. is, of course, like the opening for the much needed Feeney perspective and wisdom right here. Yes. Classic Feeney line and advice here. He's frustrated to see two young men throw away a friendship. Sean says, who needs friends? If you've got family, your family's always going to be there for you. And Feeney's like, well, maybe, but like in my case, I don't have like a lot of family in Philadelphia really at all. So like for holidays, things like that, I just get together with a close group of friends and like those friends are really my family. Can't be the same as being with real family. Oh, Mr. Hunter, you don't have to be blood to be family. Yeah, this really seems to get through to Sean. And Feeney sort of relates it back to him. He's like, you know, who are the people in your life that you spend time with, that you that are proud of you, that you respect? Like those, you know, friends can be the family that you choose. And that really gets Sean thinking like and is going to change the perspective. But now we see Corey down at the trailer park. Conveniently, Corey and his camera have shown up exactly at the moment when Eddie and his gang are unloading a truck full of stolen computers. And, you know, they pop the, the trunk and he basically yells out like, we got stolen computers here. <laughs> I think he says like, okay, boys, let's start filing off some cereal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what yeah. he's saying, but Corey is filming them and immediately they see him hiding in the bushes and like now he's in a tight spot. Corey is the world's worst undercover investigative reporter. Because he's sitting there 10 feet away and he's like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like I get, He's got to get closer. Yeah, he like the camera pans down and he's just like rustling and making so much noise. He's like standing out in the middle of the open. <laughs> so of course he gets caught and Eddie's pissed. He smashes the camera. He actually kind of punches Corey and knocks him down. Says coming here is a big, big mistake. And, you know, we've seen... Corey get into some arguments and disagreements with Harley and some of the bullies at school in the past, but this is maybe the most serious trouble we've seen him in so far. Well, it's kind of a bummer because bullies, they smash the camera and Corey says, that's the property of John Adams High. I'm going to need some names and addresses. And the Eddie responds, my name is You're Dead and I live at the corner of Fist and Face, which yes. is a great line. But then he doesn't actually punch Corey in the face. I mean, what a waste of a good line. He just, <laughs> he just sort of- Missed push- opportunity. Yeah, he just sort of pushes him down on the ground. I'm like, okay. But thankfully before Corey can- be murdered sean shows up to save the day and he doesn't even try to like argue with these guys he's just like leave him alone or i'm gonna call the cops like i will rat you out i don't care you need to like let my friend go uh and then we get the bombshell of the episode a huge bombshell out of nowhere eddie says you would do that to family and Sean says, yes. He's like, you would do that to your own brother? Oh, oh Eddie and Sean, half-brothers. Brothers. Holy moly. Corey's 
in disbelief. Eddie is Sean's half-brother. Now Corey, the light bulb goes on. He finally figures out why Sean didn't want him to submit the story because he would be turning in his brother. Yeah. The police line gets Eddie and his gang of thugs to back down. They leave and, and we're left with Sean and Corey kind of having this conversation. Corey realizes that Sean was just protecting his family and he understands why he didn't want to turn in a tape. And and Sean, based on this Feeney conversation he had earlier, basically says, listen, man, like, that's not my real family. Like, if you want to go win that contest, go do it. Like, Corey's like, well, what about protecting your family? And then Sean says... I just did. <laughs> Corey did manage to salvage the tape when Eddie smashed the camera. Corey Doesn't had seem already possible. He yeah, caught real fast. Yeah, Corey, I guess, did some pretty quick work and slipped the tape out of the camera before it was smashed. Uh, but we don't know if Corey ever did submit that story. Hopefully not, because it was a terrible news story, and it probably would have just embarrassed Eli. Yeah. That uh, slipping the tape out before the camera gets smashed is a pretty go-to trope in uh, movies and TV. These people have never held the camcorder. Do you remember you had to push the was like, and the like tape would pop out so slowly. Like, there's no way you're like, excuse me, hold, stop beating my ass real quick. I just got to pop this tape out. There's the, an old school at the end of old school. He's like, still got the tape at the end (laughs) after that whole chase. And then, uh. I'm trying to think there's another example of like a memory card and a camera. There were like some pictures and he like saves a memory card. So it's a, it's a well-worn storyline, but maybe, maybe they're the first could come up with this either way, Sean and Corey brothers, friends and all as well. Yes. But now speaking of actual blood brothers, we've got our Eric side plot, which is just as wacky as ever. I have no idea why, but for some reason, Eric is helping Feeney carry a box of old junk into his office. In school. In, in school, school. In the middle yeah. of the school day. Yeah. Feeney's office is back in the men's room, and Eric is just like <laughs> carrying this box of stuff. That's right. And, uh, you know, Eric's like, what's with all this old junk? And Feeney's like, hey, man, that lamp you're holding is worth $800. And so, of course, this piques Eric's interest, and Feeney tells him that he was cleaning out his attic and discovered some treasures up there that a uh, appraisal house is going to pay him some pretty good money for. So now, of course, Eric is seeing dollar signs everywhere he looks. Yeah, he wants to get into business with Feeney. Feeney, of course, rejects this offer. So Eric's going to go home. He's going to start digging around in their attic, and he comes down with a box of junk, and uh, Amy and Alan, who apparently just have nothing else to do throughout the day except sit at the coffee table (laughs) with each other or sit at the dining room table with each other in the kitchen are going to tell Eric, Hey, like that stuff's not really worth anything, but they start to quickly realize they can get some free labor out of this. Yeah. He's frantically cleaning out the attic and Amy initially tries to talk some sense into him. Like, dude, we do not have, collectibles hidden in the attic it's trash but alan is like no not so fast he sees an opportunity here to get their attic cleaned out for free so he encourages eric he's like you know there's a lot of stuff in the garage too you should probably like go get it all appraised but eventually they feel bad after (laughs) after eric has cleaned wiped out everything from their attic in their garage they finally decide to level with eric and tell him dude you are being scammed 
you're going to pay this place to get the stuff appraised and you're going to walk away with nothing because this is all junk. And Alan like pulls out some macaroni art. He's like, this is not valuable stuff. We also are going to be introduced to a new character here, uh, Kyle. Oh, right, right, right. (laughs) And Kyle is what Eric calls himself in his head, which is hard to process. Yeah, he's telling them a story and he goes, and so I said to myself, Kyle, and Kyle's what I call myself. It's just like stupid. Just another Eric being dumb. He also says the phrase, I'm going to jump under this bandwagon, which is (laughs) not the phrase. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, Eric is very smug later when he reveals to Alan and Amy that he just made $4,000 by selling a wooden mask that he found amongst all of the junk in their garage. Yeah, they are going to pay Eric $60, which is the price that he paid to get all of the stuff appraised. So kind of a wash, but they you know pay him for his effort and they don't have enough cash. And Eric pulls out a wad and learns that he's got $4,000 for this old mask that he had in the garage and that he's a millionaire now. Uh, he's got a funny line, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. And uh, and just coincidentally, right at that time, there's Feeney right on cue. Yes, who should be knocking at the back door but Mr. Feeney to announce that he is looking for a box that he asked Amy to store for him, a box containing an old wooden kabuki mask. So Eric sees his fortune disappear before his very eyes, and he has to hand over his whole $4,000 to Mr. Feeney, who is now the millionaire. Hey, hey, Mr. Feeney, how does $500 sound to you? (laughs) Eric, here, just take it, just take it. I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. (laughs) Yeah. So that is the post credit scene. I'm sorry. If my neighbor who lived alone in a presumably large, similar single, sized house, single family home, yep. came over and asked me to store one box, I'd be like, oh, so there's like a murder weapon in here that you're trying to get mm-hmm. out of your house. Absolutely not. Why is he asking his neighbors to store a box for him? That's crazy. I racked my brain trying to think of a plausible answer to that question for longer than I should have. I got nothing. I understand if it's like, hey, I'm moving. Can I stash a few things? Or my basement is flooded. Can I put some stuff at your house while I'm getting it taken care of? But Storing one single box, he doesn't have anywhere in his home, a a closet in a spare bedroom, his own attic or basement or garage where he can store that. Exactly. It was it was really just blowing my mind. It's a plot hole for sure. You know, it is what it is. A valuable kabuki mask uh, might be able to fetch you four thousand dollars. So yeah, if you've got any wooden masks laying around, go get those appraised. This episode featured two new quick cast members. Uh, We, of course, saw Herschel Sparber as Uncle Mike. This is not his uh, first appearance, but we did have first appearances for Maury Sterling, who played Eddie, and Blake Foster as Danny, who is that little kid who uh, The 11-year-old. 
So Danny, played by Maury Sterling, who is a Dermot Mulroney lookalike, <laughs> has, uh, you know, was in this episode of Boy Meets World. He's been in a million things, just scrolling through his IMDb, went through a really long TV career in the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm not seeing anything big jumping out at me. The A-Team movie, he was a voice in Kung Fu Panda 2, but uh, long career, great career. Great stuff. I didn't recognize any of our bully guest stars, so I didn't look them up, but uh, thank you for doing that. Yeah, and then Blake Foster, who plays the little kid, quickly transitioned from being in Boy Meets World in 1996 to being the blue turbo ranger in power rangers power rangers turbo yes turbo a power rangers movie in 1997 and then in 45 episodes of the tv series power rangers turbo he also plays the blue turbo ranger and then power rangers in space he's in that so a bunch of other things too but mainly known as the blue turbo ranger not to go like too nerdy on this but i'm pretty sure that to be a power ranger you have to be actually pretty good at martial arts in real life because they do all those like choreographed things so interesting i'm just saying you don't find uh you can't just casually become a power ranger it's kind of cool well jacqueline funny you should mention that because (laughs) (laughs) did you know that blake foster is a second degree black belt in american tang sudu style karate yeah, that tracks. I I, so, I think all of the all of the Power Rangers have either like martial arts or gymnastics training. Apparently that was old because it now says that he is a fourth degree black belt in American Tang Sudo style of karate, uh, which is apparently the Chuck Norris style. Nice. Nice. So you know he kicks some ass. Yeah, you know he just roundhouse kicking everybody all day long. He received his black belt on December 15th, 1996. So he was like very close to being able to just black belt everybody on this set. He was just a few months away. Yeah, he was the littlest one in this gang of uh, of thieves here, but he actually could have done some damage to Corey. <laughs> they had him dressed like he was in the Newsies. It was like a cutoff, like denim yeah. vest. I'm like, okay. Well, there's only four episodes left in season So we are nearing the end and there is some really exciting stuff going down. I know we really talked up like the Eric Weatherman plot. And now that we're past that, I have to say we have a super meta suspend your disbelief style episode coming up. And we have the Disney World episode. Am I really oh. bad at math? 18, 19, 20, 21. I think there are five. There are only five episodes yeah. left in season <laughs> Just two. switch that around. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm just so excited for some of these, uh, these final episodes because we also have our Disney World episode, which we talked to Jason Marsden about at length because he was in a crossover. Anyway, we'll get to it in a few episodes here, but really, really good stuff to wrap up season three. Sure do. As always, great content on Instagram at Feeny Podcast, all of our back episodes, as well as some news and highlights and all of that, FeenyPodcast.com. You know how to find us and keep watching, keep following along. We're going to finish this season out this spring 
and wrap things up for season three. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. I don't have friends. I got family.